Hi guys, and welcome to DeShaming. DeShaming is a movement and a podcast dedicated to raising awareness about incest abuse, sexual abuse, and childhood family trauma, and all the things that go along with that. I'm your host. My name is Pamela Clark. I am a licensed behavioral therapist, a survivor of incest abuse, and childhood family trauma. Today, I currently live in San Antonio, Texas, and I am thriving. Sit back, relax. I hope you get something out of this podcast. I hope it helps you on your path to de-shaming. Most of all, I hope it motivates you to get up, get involved, and use your voice. All right, let's get started. All right, guys, it is a miracle that I am recording a podcast for you. It's been a hot mess uh, for the last couple of months, not just with the COVID-19, but trying to coordinate people to interview. And I had a couple of people lined up and it just, uh, no fault of anyone's, but it just didn't happen or couldn't get things lined up or lots of other stuff going on in everyone's life. So completely understandable, but it's been a hot minute since I um, put one of these up. So here I am. It's just me. There's two things I want to talk about today I think that I'll focus on is one, I've had a lot of more contact, unwanted contact with uh, family members who abused me over the past month than I have in years. (laughs) So that has been difficult. And two, uh, trying to navigate the self-quarantining and everybody, the social distancing and the shelter at home and all the alone time and, and the triggers that that is or the triggers that those are for me as someone who was so severely abused and trying to navigate those. So those are the two things I want to I want to talk about today. I'm sure knowing me, it will go off in a million different directions, but I trust that it will go in whatever direction it is meant to go into and whomever is supposed to hear this, they will hear it. That is all I've decided to focus on with this. It's funny because when I when I did the Instagram page and and I'm sure everybody out there can relate to this, when you're so passionate about something, and, and it, it means so much to you. It really is offensive when someone else discards it. And that's true with anybody and anything that they're um, so passionate about, as passionate as I am about the de-shaming movement and people talking about incest and discussing it and reporting it and all that groovy stuff. So I... I for a while, I was really taking it personal if people wouldn't listen to the podcast or if someone unfollowed de-shaming on Instagram. And I really had to just have what my beautifully deceased mother, who was one of the most badass women I've ever met, um, and she would have probably pinched me right now. She was a Southern woman uh, for swearing, but we that's just who I am. But she would have said... I have a come to Jesus moment, Pamela, and I had to have one of those moments with myself that I don't care if if I sound good to someone or if somebody is offended by what I say in regards to my family. It doesn't matter. Or if someone unfollows the Instagram page, 
it doesn't matter. It can't matter because all, all I care is that whoever's supposed to see it or hear it or whoever it's supposed to help find a voice or I hope my goal is that it will it will help minimize ancestral abuse and it will help people recognize it in their own families and have the courage to um, speak about it and report it or even if you don't want to report it to the police, report it to social services or anything, whatever needs to be done to stop the same thing happening to another child. I realize this is a touchy subject and it's difficult and it's a million different layers. But So I had to have that kind of a talk with myself. Um, and now I'm back and I'm going to do this every month, if not more. And I'm going to talk about how I'm handling my abuse and uh, the trials. And also I've had a hell of a lot of uh, triumphs lately, I would I would venture to say. Um, but today I'm going to stick with those, try, try to stick with those two avenues. All right. So I'm going to jump in in just a minute. Get ready. Okay. So the, the first topic I want to dive into today is unwanted contact with your abusers as a survivor of incest. Um, I've also been date raped and I've suffered domestic violence and those people I don't have to see, I don't really have to hang out with or have much of a chance of um, having any encounters with them. But the bad thing about being a victim and the one, let me rephrase that, one of the worst things for me being a survivor of incest abuse is that I am continually reminded of my abusers and there's always that little chance that they're going to contact me, which they do. And I think, um, a couple of them enjoy that. I think it's a continuation of the abuse for them. I voice this to my family members. So I come from a really big family and I've already told you my, my story, but I was not abused by all of my siblings. And I have three siblings that I'm close to. One of them is my youngest brother and I adore him. Like he is my person, one of them, but he, you know, our relationship is quote, normal. He did not abuse me. He's just my brother, which is a really precious thing to me. And three or four weeks ago, he had two heart attacks in one weekend. And needless to say, I was a hot mess, worried that I was going to lose this person that means so much to me. Um, because those three siblings are really the only family I have, or that I, I don't like the word family. I apologize if that offends anybody. I hate that word, but they're the only members of my biological family, um, that I, I care about and that I can turn to on some levels or rely on or any of that stuff. Anyway. So of course, while he was in the hospital during this time, I couldn't see him. No one could go see him. And it was hard. It was difficult. And it was really difficult for him, I would imagine. Although he's so laid back. I don't know that he ever voiced his um, stress about nobody being able to be there. Even His fiance couldn't even be in the hospital with him. So 
During that time, our connection to him was text messaging, and he had had two heart attacks, and he had already had surgery, and he inadvertently put my phone number in a group text, which is fine. I can live through that. He did not mean to do that. So, but what that meant was I again had to open the doors to the virtual house I grew up in and interact with these people who every time we interact, uh, it's just like we're in the same house again. I don't care what venue or, or medium it is that we use to interact with each other. I swear to you, it is like being in the house together as children. And one of them was uh, an abuser. And this, this particular abuser, it's comp, it's complicated. He was forced to abuse me by another sibling. Um, I hate saying that. It's so embarrassing. Every time I have to say these things, first, it makes me want to physically vomit. And two, it's just embarrassing to have to say them, but it is. And it's happening to another little kid out there right now. So it isn't that I hate him. I don't. Um, it's that it's a reminder. I don't want to interact with him. And he has other shit going on that make me crazy. I can't, like, he's too much for me, right? So, also, he doesn't acknowledge or say, he says he doesn't remember anything that happened um, within, to me. I have never spoken to him about what have occurred, what his part was in my abuse. Uh, but he has told another sibling that I'm very close to that it didn't happen. And none of my abusers admit to anything they did. None of them. So I've just learned to accept that because that's not, that's not something I want to, the battle I want to fight. I don't care. I know what happened to me. I know it's true. Anyway, so in this group text, he's, He's texting, my, my younger sibling is texting just information so that we all know he's okay or this and that. And this other sibling launches into what's going on in his life because that's what my family does. It has to be about you. I have, I have seven brothers and sisters and we grew up, you really had to fight for attention. It, it was a dysfunctional household. And so there's always this one-upping even with a heart attack, it felt like he was trying to win. I'm going to win this. And it was mind blowing. So the side effect of that as well was that this sibling who's trying to win and was also one of my abusers started texting me, which is difficult for me. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to know anything about him. And as soon as he started interacting with me. He brought up my main abuser, which I call the ringleader, who is a very sick individual. He's the one whose son is facing uh, so many charges right now and could go to jail. Um, and he brings his name up twice. And of course, now I, you don't get to do that. And so I very sternly and aggressively said, what did you just say to me? And he responded with, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say his name. Now, anybody with a brain understands that, of course he did, because how would you even know 
if I, from what did you just say to me? How would you even know what I was talking about unless you, you knew? So it, it feels like it's almost purposeful. So after that conversation, I politely blocked this person and I don't want anything to do with them. And it's really, that's a sad thing to continually have to go through is the loss of family. It, it's continuous and it, it's really difficult, especially right now, to think of losing anything at all because of what we are all going through with this virus. So to add to that, um, my sister a week later, or no, two weeks later, had to, and I'm very close to her, um, very close to her. She's amazing. She had to have surgery as well. And so, and of course, I'm in another state from her and no contact. And this, this same sibling um, decided to use that to get me to call him because I didn't know anything about it, which I thought was unusual. Um, and so he, again, used that to manipulate me to tell me about his life. And in the same breath, he, when I finally got in contact with my sister, she explained to me that she was fine. And if she would have called me, she didn't want anyone to know because she didn't want to alarm anybody with everything going on. It wasn't a major surgery. Um, and he proceeds when he finds out that I've spoken to her to tell me, don't tell I cannot tell you how many different emotions hearing those words from my abuser in my 40s, how much that triggered. I mean, it triggered every emotion I ever felt as a kid, every nightmare I've ever had. And I wanted the, the rage inside of me to hear that again was... I, I couldn't contain it. I basically just sobbed and wailed uh, uncontrollably for probably about an hour because I'm more, I, it's that, I don't know how to describe this, but I'm sure, I know if you, if you have experienced this abuse, you know exactly what I mean. It's, you feel like you can never be safe. Because you're never going to get away from your abusers. And that they're, it's never going to be a place where people will stand up for you. It's a million emotions in one. But what I came out of it with after about a week of really having to go inside myself and, and figure it out was I am safe. And they can continue whatever they want to continue, the behaviors they want to continue in that virtual house. But I don't live there anymore. And I don't have to interact with them. I'm not obligated because they have the same last name as I do. Or the same blood, quote unquote. I hate that phrase too. It enrages me. Because I'm healthy. And no one is going to ask me to hang out with a man that raped me. So why do I have to hang out with a man who abused me for so many years? And why do I have to hear the name of the man who, who 
was the ringleader of all of it for so many years. Why do I have to hear the name of the other one or how his kids are doing when they rob me of that? I don't because I don't live there anymore. I don't live in that house. I live right here and I'm safe and I choose who I let into my house. It was the the worst pain having to go through that again, but it ended up being an incredible gift because there's no ambiguity. Everybody knows where I stand now. I want nothing to do with them. I don't wish them any ill will, and that's what separates me from them. It's I would never wish any harm or pain on any of them because I'm not an abuser. I'm a survivor. And so all that pain and all that drama, which my family is famous for, a really beautiful healing gift came out of it that I'm super incredibly grateful with. And another thing that came out of that as well, um, throughout all of this, you know, the, the self-quarantine, the being alone, and way too much time to be in my head, um, I realized, because somebody asked me during this, you know, is your family reaching out to you? And, um, and it's so weird to say, to have to say to people, well, no, I mean, it's a couple of them are the ones that I speak to, but no, I don't know. Thankfully they don't. And it, it brought, I don't know who I was talking to or how this came up, but, um, it brought up the thought for me that because I think somebody somebody asked me, don't you have any good memories of your family? And I do. I honestly do. I have some pretty incredible memories of my family. But the problem with those memories are they get, it, it's like a, it's a layer. It's like an onion. You know, the beauty of it can be on top, right? of, of the, the memory. But if you think about the memory too long, that second layer comes and then the third layer comes and the fourth layer comes and it leads you right back into, well, what happened right after that good memory? Oh, that's right. I was raped. Oh, that's right. Okay. Or I really liked playing, um, baseball with my brothers. I went to all their games and now I love baseball. I can love baseball again. But it was hard to love baseball and love watching them play because of what they did to me in other areas. So it isn't the, the simplicity of a good memory isn't there. It isn't simple. It isn't just a good memory. They are now. They're better now for sure. Like, I had a conversation with my sister the other day and it was so sweet to be able to think of really good things and there weren't these layers of pain underneath it because I've learned how to not let that happen because I wanted a part of my childhood back. I wanted them to not have taken all of it and they didn't. And I've learned through therapy and working through things myself and figuring this shit out myself 
that I can't have really good memories of my childhood and, and not allow the bad memories to come in. I have great memories of my mom and the things that she, the way she smelled. She was so awesome. Um, and I can think of those things now without, I can separate, I can compartmentalize those things now and enjoy the memories with the siblings that don't provoke the bad memories. And that's been a huge gift to me as well. Okay, so the first part of this, thank goodness, I hope I didn't ramble too much <laughs> or go off on too many tangents and it was coherent and helpful to someone. So I'll be back in just a minute and we're going to jump into how I've been dealing with a lot of the triggers of being isolated through COVID-19. Hold on, I'll be back. Okay, guys, let's talk all things COVID-19. So pretty unexpected turn of events for everybody at the beginning of this year. So it's caused an increase in domestic violence, sexual assault, and incest abuse from the closing of the schools and the daycare centers. Most kids and anyone else being abused are home with their abusers with this stress of loss of income from family members and being, you know, the fear of the virus and all that jazz heightening everything. So I wanted to talk a little bit about just the things that I'm doing to try to get through as a survivor. Again, I'm not here. I just want to reiterate this. I've said this before, but I'm not here to therapize anybody. I'm just sharing, um, my, methods, the things I use, the things I do, the things that have worked for me in the past and now. So if it helps, that's fantastic. If you think I'm crazy, that's okay too. So <laughs> I'm on about my fourth week of self-quarantine here. I live in Texas and we are a shelter in place state. We only essential workers can go to work and everything's pretty much shut down. And in the city I live in, San Antonio, there are quite a large number of cases of the virus have been reported and a pretty high death toll. So the stress level here, I would say is pretty high, but I think people are doing a pretty good job of staying home now. Initially, the first week or so, I feel like everybody, or two weeks, two weeks, the first two weeks, everybody was still almost in denial of it. But now every, I went out the other day just to, I don't remember what I was doing, maybe going to the pharmacy for my, my senior dog. And it was like a ghost town. It was crazy. I was, I was glad. I was a lot of things. I was glad people were staying home. I was sad. I was scared and stressed and confused. I was that whole big ball of emotion that everybody's experiencing right now. It's hard to pinpoint one emotion that you're feeling in a moment. So this is what I'm doing. I'm riding my emotions out. I'm not stuffing them. I'm not not feeling them, but I am keeping them in perspective. So if in a moment I'm sad and I want to cry, I allow myself to cry. I don't let that emotion take over for the rest of my day or even for more than five to 10 minutes. But I don't want to hide or not acknowledge the 
emotions that I'm feeling in that moment. Because I'm a complex human being. I have a myriad of feelings that I can feel. And they don't always have to be positive or positive vibes or uh, stay on the positive wavelength. It's just not who I am. If that works for some other people, that's great. That's not who I am. I have a lot of feelings that I was born with in this amazing body. And I I am learning to enjoy, on a weird level, experiencing all of them and not hiding them or denying them. I did that a lot in my childhood. And I think that's a, a strong characteristic of incest abuse survivors is you are you deny things, you hide things, you put them away. Everything's in the dark. Well, that's not how this girl rolls at all. That's that's not how my world spins. So I'm feeling them because they're mine and I'm allowed to. But I don't give them too much life. But I'm also trying to see the positive in this situation. So in the moments that I'm feeling trapped and almost like I can't breathe, because it's very reminiscent of how I felt in my childhood at certain times when a lot of my abusers were home. I am trying to find that space that I can breathe in. So the space between the anxiety and the stability is where I find myself. So, and I sit in it and I take really deep breaths and I remind myself, it's almost my mantra, that that I don't live in the past anymore. I'm not in that house virtually or physically. I'm not in that house anymore. That I'm here and I am safe. None of my abusers can reach me. I'm in complete control of if they do try to reach out to me. There's a beautiful block button on my phone. If they are for some weird reason, and these are the things that literally go through my head. If they showed up at my door, I'd call the cops. It's that simple. Not that they're going to, but if that were the case, and if that is the case for you, you can call the cops. If they show up at your door, you can call the cops. If your abuser is in your house, you can call the cops. You can call anyone. You are allowed to do that. You are not in the wrong. They are in the wrong. I know it doesn't feel that way right now, but you are. Okay, so I'm breathing. I'm I'm taking the breathing techniques that I've been working on. I don't know that I would call it meditation. I, I took a course recently with Ralph De La Rosa. I think I've mentioned him before. Uh, meditation slash uh, internal family system work, which I really enjoyed and I highly recommend to other people. Um, and again, his name is Ralph De La Rosa. He, I think I follow him on my Instagram page. If you want to go there to link to him and his classes, um, there's also another woman named Tiffany that I follow on Instagram. She's awesome. She is a sound bath person. Sorry, Tiffany, if you listen to this podcast. Uh, she's also a certified yoga instructor, and I'm sure she's a myriad of other things, but I do pay attention to her postings. Um, I am not, I don't do yoga. I don't do traditional meditation, but I do try to find a way for myself. For me, I've taken what I learned in the class what from Ralph, what I've seen from Tiffany. I have a, another friend, Elizabeth Ferretti, who's a yoga instructor or certified yoga something. I'm ruining these things and I truly apologize. 
taken all those things that they've taught me or I've learned from watching and incorporated it into what I can do. So I don't sit and close my eyes. I'm not that girl. I don't really close my eyes for anybody. Nobody sits behind me. I got to see you at all times. Um, but I do take deep breaths and I remind myself it's a mantra. It's a list I go down. I'm safe. I'm home. I'm safe. I'm home. I'm safe. I'm home. So, and home is me. I'm, I am my home. So, and that calms me when those feelings of not being able to breathe or I, I happen to listen to the death toll or another family member is of a friend of mine is in the hospital or anything. That's how I roll through it. Okay. The other thing I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to be productive. I'm trying to find things that I can do to distract me from what's going on out there because I can't control it. I don't like that because I like to control things. Um, so I'm taking classes. There's a ton of free classes online right now. Also, if you have a Roku TV or a smart TV and you can download the Roku app, the um, I think it's master's classes that you get a free month of that. And there's all kinds of everything on there from cognitive behavioral therapy training to writing a book on how to write a book all I mean I think there's even crocheting because I think that's on my list to to try to learn to crochet again um so there's that there's also if you if you go online to um I knew I was going to do this and of course I did not write it down but there are tons of free classes. Just Google free classes, Corona or COVID-19, and there'll be a million of those things to distract you. Uh, talk to your friends. Connect with people that you love and you trust and tell them how you're feeling. If you're feeling trapped, if you're having flashbacks, any of those things. I don't want to ramble too much about coping mechanisms because that's really not what I do, but... I just wanted to share with you that if you're home, you're self-quarantining and you're feeling that trapped feeling that triggers all those emotions from during your abuse, I'm here and I get it. I get it. Even if you don't know how to describe it in words, I understand. And there are a million other people out there, sadly, that do understand as well. You're not alone. You're not. And you're, you're not being abused any longer. You're safe. If you are still being abused, if you know someone who is being abused, please reach out to RAIN. It's the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, R-A-I-N-N dot org. Um, they're the largest anti-sexual violence hotline. They're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. They're on the internet. Reach out. Please reach out. They have resources. They can tell you what to do. They can help you through it. You can also reach out to the crisis text line. And I don't know the number. And I'm sorry that I don't have that information. But they're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. And they're amazing. Um, they also have a, they have a hotline. And they also have something called a warm line right now. So I also follow them on Instagram. If you want to use that as a resource. And it's so you can reach out during this time. This is a hard time for everybody. You, sh you should feel confused. You should feel anxious. But just know that it will end. It will pass. It will pass. 
I also wanted to mention um, NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They're pretty amazing. I have I have a little bit of a crush on NAMI Bucks. I follow them on Instagram as well, and they have amazing postings every day, funny, serious, whatever you need to hear in this moment or any other moment uh, to help with your mental health, because your mental health is the most important thing. Your mind is who you are. Your health, your body health is all incorporated into that. But if you don't take care of your mind, your mental health, you're not truly taking care of you. Because that's how the whole other part of it, the whole mechanism runs is with that beautiful brain that you have inside your head. Okay, that's all I'm going to ramble about this time. Uh, I hope, truly hope that this reaches who it's supposed to reach. I hope that it helps. I hope that me sharing my pain and my vulnerability helps you to open up to share yours as well. We have to stop protecting people. We have to stop um, allowing this to happen to our children. They're such easy targets in homes with family members. It breaks my heart. When all this started, it just, I cried at least for the first week, just imagining how horrible it would be stuck at home with my abusers. But it will pass. It will pass for them and they will survive and they will thrive. And you and I are, have survived and we are thriving and I'm, I'm kicking ass. I have arrived. I heard that the other day. Even on my worst day now, I am. I have arrived. I, I survived. I thrived. And I have now arrived. I love that. I don't know who told me that. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but thank you to whomever it is. It stuck in my head and anytime I start feeling down or like I'm not productive enough during all of this or I'm going to be stuck here forever, I remember that, that this too shall pass and I am one strong, badass woman. Okay, I hope that all of this helps you on your road to de-shaming. Reach out if you have any questions, concerns, information you want to share or information you'd like me to give you. You can email me at iamdshaming at gmail.com. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your month and I'll see you again in about two weeks.